Um, so today is today you have a full day here in Jana Grove, and there's many opportunities for you to kind of work on your mind. And to start off with, I was thinking about talking about a little bit about walking meditation. So um, it's it's something to just that is a technique that you can use, which is um, sometimes easier than the sitting meditation because um, you have your body to work with. Because sometimes when we're sitting and we're quite relaxed, we don't really feel the body, and we're more or less with our minds. And because we don't have something to help us anchor ourselves in the present moment because we're just in our minds. It's easier for the mind to move off into the past or the future. So one of the trainings that the monks do in monasteries and nuns is the walking meditation. So they may spend hours doing it and some of them prefer the walking meditation to the sitting meditation. And that's something that I uh, encourage you to try and see if you like it or not. And, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> so I was just thinking of a funny story. There was this one monk. <laughs> um, because you, you would think if you were doing walking meditation, you wouldn't fall asleep. <laughs> I couldn't believe this story. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, he fell asleep when he was walking. And what actually happened was he was walking up and down on his meditation path. And I guess you get into some sort of a flow and things become automatic. So he was walking up and down. And then eventually he got so tired he fell asleep. But he continued walking until he hit the brick wall. <laughs> and that woke him up. <laughs> but then, so I think with a walking meditation, it's a lot easier for you to settle your minds. Because you stand, you stand on one end of the walking path. Because your eyes are open, you're more aware. You can bring your minds into the moment and just use your body as um, an anchor. And then when you start to move, you just move without control and move naturally and just walk up and down and try to find a, a place where you don't get too distracted. Yeah, Sometimes when we're walking around, in Jana Grove, and we're th- thinking we're walking mindfully, and then we see somebody walk off in the distance, and then we look. Because <laughs> that's sort of like human nature, is to just look around and see things. And in a sense, that takes you away from what you're doing. So just finding a quiet spot just out in the forest, um, like a relaxing setting, and just turn your eyes down and just 
walk up and down. It doesn't really matter how long or how far you walk, but but just choose something which is comfortable for you. Um, Some people I know, they like to have really long walking paths, you know, 20, 30 metres, and some people don't mind having a short walking path. So, yeah, so what do you do when you're walking? Um, I think the body will dictate where you can place your mindfulness because it's obviously there. Um, you guys did yoga today? Is it? Afterwards? Okay, yeah. It's pretty much the same thing, but a lot more simpler. And the simpler it is, um, the more peaceful it can become. Yeah, because you're just working with um, just mindfulness and also you're working with how you're feeling, you know, in that moment. So you can, you can, you can bring up a sense of relaxation, a sense of calm when you're doing something as simple as that because some of those yoga poses look kind of painful. <laughs> <laughs> and a bit irritating <laughs> even though you may be mindful but there's a sense of like um, struggle and tension when you're doing something like that so with the meditation we're also looking for relaxation as well Yeah, just a sense of calmness and a sense of peace so you know you can, you can kind of try that there's um, walking meditation paths on the sides and on the back. And yeah. Just see how it goes. And I remember like Arjun Brahm would, he would like to do a little bit of walking meditation before he gives a talk. And then you see just a this small corridor in the monk's quarters in Damaloka. He'll just walk up and down. And we're like, Ajahn, what are you doing? <laughs> he says, oh yeah, I'm just thinking about my talk, seeing what I'm going to say. Yeah. So you, got, so you have that as well. And yeah. So just basically, it's just the movements of the body when you're doing the walking meditation. And just feeling the weight of your body in the moment. Uh, sometimes you get taught to um, put the attention on the sensations of your feet because it's quite obvious when the foot is um, touching the ground or being lifted up. Yeah, so you gotta understand where to put your mind and understand to add that relaxation or kind of nice feelings when you're doing it. Yeah, it's like when you're hugging the bear. There's there's kind of nice feelings, you know, that arise in the mind. That's why you do it. So in the same way, we can try to bring those kinds of feelings when we're meditating. And I think those kinds of feelings are sustainable in the sense where they just hang around for for uh, you know good periods of time if you don't get distracted. Yeah. 
So yeah, so you're just coming here to learn how to do those kinds of things and take them away and you can use that um, in your life. So yeah, <laughs> so you can do that and Just take it easy. Um, you got this full day to yourself. I know there's a lot, a lot of activities going on. Um, but if you like to spend time alone, to just re-energize your mind and to refresh it, that's also a good thing to do. You got comfortable beds, and if you need to take a nap, just take a nap. Yeah, and just. See that how that helps the mind. Um, yeah, because you know this is a new place, and maybe some of you didn't sleep too well last night. So it's a good time in the afternoon to catch up. And it's important. Ajahn Brahm makes a point of resting the mind uh, while you're on meditation, and and there's no need to feel. That guilty because you're not doing the practice. Um, sometimes a lot of the struggle when it comes to the meditation practice is just the sluggishness of the mind. And a good cure for that is to take a nap. And then afterwards, um, you just feel so much more better. And then when it comes to doing the meditation practice, it's a lot easier. Because I remember uh, when I was younger, I was trying to experiment with sleep. And it was either have a nap after the meal, which is a lot of food, <laughs> or don't have a nap. Yeah. And then it's like, how long do I have a nap for? <laughs> so if you nap for too long, then you wake up feeling groggy and it takes you like forever to recover from that and then you just feel a bit tired for the rest of the afternoon but sometimes if I didn't nap I would try to meditate then the, um, the meditation was just too sluggish and, and you're just sitting there you know that it's not the right time to sit and then you just just through time, you just understand what your body needed. So just being able to just have a nap for like, for myself, is like half an hour, 45 minutes. And then, you know, you get up, your mind is rested and is ready for meditation. Because the, the mind needs a different level, the brain needs a, a different level of rest when it comes to the meditation practice. You know, with, with like... Um, you know things like work and studying and stuff like that. You can you can you can do really well with a little amount of sleep. But when it comes to the meditation practice, I think you'll start to learn: the less sleep you have, the more difficult it is, because it's a completely different thing that you're doing, and the, the mind needs a little. The mind needs that rest. Um, to be able to be clear and to be aware.
And yeah, so, and just, I was just thinking earlier and just being able to just get out of your, your regular routines uh, gives you that much more time because you have nothing to do to meditate, <laughs> which is a blessing in a sense because I was thinking this morning, oh yeah, if I was back in Kusala, I'll get up and I'll do this and I'll do that and you know, in the afternoon I'll probably be doing this and that and then it's like, oh, the day is quite busy. You don't really have um, that time to meditate. So in the same way, I'm kind of on retreat myself because <laughs> when I wake up, I've got nothing to do. <laughs> so I have more time to meditate. And it's not difficult to do it because there's nothing in your schedule. So um, in a sense, you know, just being here just gives me that little bit of more extra time to be able to meditate. And the same goes for you. You have that time as well because there is not much to do. How many naps can you take in a day? How many cups of coffee can you drink? How many times can you see the same tree? <laughs> not very often. After a while, you'll be like, oh, this is kind of boring. So what can I do? I'll just sit in meditation. So, so in a sense, you don't really need to push people and say, oh, don't be lazy. Oh, you should be drinking cups of coffee. Or, oh, you should be doing this and that. Because after a while, they'll just get bored. <laughs> and they'll end up meditating. Yeah. So in a sense, you're trying to just create a... Um, a uh, just allow people to be environment. And, you know, things will kind of happen by themselves. Yeah. And with the meditation is kind of like, I was just thinking earlier, um, when you think about, when you think about what the, what the teachers trying, are trying to do here, I think one thing that we're trying to show you is that there's a kind of like duality of the mind. And listening earlier to Arjun Brahm or listening to his talks previously, you can understand when he teaches something, it's always like pointing the mind into a, to a certain direction. And even though the mind ha can go in both directions, either in the wholesome direction or in the unwholesome direction, a, uh, you know, a teacher would always try to point you in the wholesome direction and show you that there's an unwholesome direction as well. So I was thinking that when we're looking at our own minds, we can start to understand that there's kind of like two sides to things. There's a side for you to like hold on to, and there's a side for you to let go of. And that is... And that's like, um, like in the Buddhist suttas, he, he talks about the four right efforts. And the, the effort is to, um, to encourage wholesome states to arise. That's the one effort. And to, um, 
continue the wholesome states. You know, just allow them to grow and let them, let them you know, keep on growing. Not in those exact, exact words. <laughs> but that's, that's how I remember it. And I didn't, I didn't actually read up on it for a long, long time. <laughs> and then, and then the, um, the other side is to, um, to kind of like refrain or stop yourself from having these unwholesome states of mind and to continue that, that effort to keep them away. And then when you hear Andrew Brahm, he talks about, you know, the two bad bricks. Yeah, 998 good bricks. He's trying to point your mind in a certain direction. And then he talks about, what, what does he talk about? Um, the chicken farmer. You know that one? The chicken farmer and... The, uh, the farmer who picks up the chicken eggs, <laughs> the farmer that picks up the chicken shit. <laughs> yeah, have you heard that one? So that's basically just allowing, just like giving us an idea of where we can place our minds. And there's like two types of chicken farmers. There's one that, that goes out and um, picks up the chicken shit and then he takes the chicken shit and he goes to the market and he tries to sell it, but he can't <laughs> because it's obviously... Oh, maybe he can because, you know, chicken manure, you can put it under your trees and it will grow. <laughs> but in this story, he's not able to sell it. And then he goes home because he didn't make any money, his wife's upset, and they get into arguments and all hell breaks loose. But on the other hand, you have the chicken farmer who's the wise chicken farmer. He goes into the chicken coop and he picks up the chicken eggs. And with those eggs, he can do so much with them. He can make omelette. He can make souffle. What else can he make? He can make poached eggs. He can whip up a meringue. <laughs> and take it to the markets and sell it and make a little bit of money for it. And then he can take the money home and look after his family and and save up to buy the new Tesla. <laughs> Even smart chicken farmers can afford a Tesla. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and if you don't like Elon Musk, because some people don't, you can get some other car. <laughs> and anyways, but... But, um, but yeah, it's just like... Letting us know that we can point our minds into a certain direction... Yeah, these, I think a lot of the teachings, this is what we're trying to sort of convey to you people. And if you can take that understanding with you, you can understand that your mind kind of works, works in this way. And you see, um, you see the results of your actions or the results of your thoughts or the res results of your words. And the results tell you whether you're doing the right thing or not, or the wholesome thing or not. Yeah? If you just shouted at somebody and you feel bad, say, so obviously, you know, that's not a wholesome thing to do. Or you um, said a kind word and then the person reacts. Um, you know, positively. Hey, it's like, yeah, you know, that's the right thing to do. 
or just when I came here, just going into the kitchen and just seeing the volunteers just happily helping away, cooking up. They didn't make meringue. <laughs> I was like, where's my poached eggs this morning? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and, then, and then, and it's just, and just like, um, just, 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 just understanding why the people were there, volunteering their time. You know, hours and hours you got to spend in the kitchen, and sometimes you don't do fun jobs like take out the trash or scrub the floors, but they still do it. Um, just out of like service and volunteering their time. And just like understanding that kind of makes you know that that is something good to do. And they do get a lot of like happiness out of it. So yeah, so the mind is, is sort of kind of works in that kind of way. It's cause, cause, causes and effects. Yeah. So but with the meditation, I think one of the, um, the useful attitudes that you can take into it is to just learn how to be patient and deal with, just learn how to be patient so you can deal with the rough stuff that happens in your mind. Like the sleepiness, the mind that thinks, and all that kind of stuff. Because you'll get both the good world and the bad world in your mind throughout the meditation. And just learning, I think just learning how to be, um, like just to be content with whatever's happening. Be content in the moment. Because that little bit of like desire to wanting to become peaceful or wanting to uh, watch the breath, that desire just takes away whatever contentment you have in the mind. So yeah, just, just learn how to accept and um, just allow these, these uh, mind states to kind of disappear. The sleepiness, allow that to disappear. The, um, the restlessness, you can allow that to disappear. You don't really need to do anything. The, um, you know, the doubts, the cravings, the anger, or whatever may arise in your mind, you can just allow that to disappear. And just, you just be with a moment and build up that mindfulness. And you'll start to understand... The more mindfulness you have, the less thoughts or these hindrances you have in your mind through time. Yeah, you understand that. So, yeah. I think I'll end the talk there. <laughs> and um, does anybody have any questions? Just one question. I just asked for one question. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> you can ask me a whole ton of questions tonight. Yeah, when we do the uh, Q&A. So yeah, we can start the meditation now. So we can just turn off the lights.
So you just allow your body and mind to relax. And just see if you can find some appreciation for the simplicity of this activity we call meditation. Just being able to rest and relax is a nice thing to do. And remember, we're not doing this to gain anything because if we think in this way, it causes discontent within the mind. So we're just content to be here. not worrying about any results.
And we just knowing how relaxing this posture is. And we are just experiencing the silence of the mind. Now that we've relaxed a little, we can take our mindfulness and just place it on the soles of our feet. Just feel the sensations. Just feel whether we just know whether your feet are cold or they are warm and know what position they're in. Are they curled up or are they flat 
flat. And just know and relax at the same time. As you're doing that, just hang out in the silence of the mind. And now just move your mindfulness to the shin and calf area. Just feel the temperature. Is it cold? Is it comfortable? Or is it too warm? And also feel the pressure against whatever you're sitting on. Now you can know, move that awareness up the leg, 
and into the thigh and palm area. And just know that like there's pressure there. Just know it in a relaxing manner. Allowing the body to help you anchor your mind in the silence. And as you're putting your mind, the awareness around the bum area and the thighs, you just surround that with silence. Once you're done putting awareness in the area, you can always go back to the silence of the mind. Now, you can take your awareness and place it on your lower back. My lower back is a little bit warm, a little bit sore. So you just notice what is happening there. If it's a little bit sore, like my back, you can give it just a little bit of kindness and gentleness.
Now you can take your awareness and move it to the front, around the tummy area. And you probably feel that your tummy is full. Full of toast or whatever you had for breakfast. All the while, be relaxed and surround the tummy with silence. You now you can take your awareness and move it up your mid-back. Is it sore? Is it cold? What's going on? Just using this technique to create more silence in the mind.
Now we can take our awareness and just put on the breath for the remainder of the meditation. Just watching it. Watch the breath go in and go out.
I'm going to ring the gong to end the meditation. But if you would like to continue to close your eyes and meditate, you can do so.